You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, moving over from the Score Zag Score podcast and taking over here at Locked On. Today's episode is sponsored by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. First of all, I want to thank all of you for making this podcast your first listen of the day. Whether you are a new listener to the show, new to my content, or coming over from my previous show, a reminder to please follow and subscribe to this podcast wherever you already get podcasts, and to look out for our upcoming YouTube channel, which will start in the next few weeks, right around the start of the basketball season, I hope, and you can look out for that on YouTube, subscribe as soon as it's up, you're going to get a chance to not only hear what I have to say, but you get to see me as well. All right, today's episode is the fifth in our extensive player preview series, taking a brief but thorough look at every player on the Gonzaga roster and detailing their basketball history, a look at the best and worst case scenarios for them heading into the 2021-2022 season, and finally, a closer look at their expected role and production this upcoming season. These episodes will air multiple times per week right up until Gonzaga's exhibition opener against Eastern Oregon on Halloween. If you missed our previous installments, that was the first week that this podcast was live with me as the host, at least. We covered Ben Gregg, Andrew Nemhart, Anton Watson, and Martinez Arlauskas. You can check back in your feed and find those so you can listen to every single one of them and be fully prepared for Gonzaga's season. Today's episode will focus on a player many believe is a budding star, a guy who could break out in a major way in his second year in a Gonzaga uniform. That is, of course forward and craziness in the kennel MVP Julian Strother. Is this the year that he finally breaks out? So a little bit of history on Julian Strother. Strother was the second member of the tricky trio to commit to Gonzaga, of course, after Dominic Harris, who committed. It seems like when he was still in middle school, he was a really, really early commit to the Zags. Strother committed to the Zags on April 18th, 2019. So he was still a pretty early commit as well. Him and Dom helped, of course, convince Jalen Suggs to come to Gonzaga. He was the last one of the group to join and the first one of the group to leave, which is no surprise at all, obviously. Uh, and then really, in a lot of ways, helped convince Chet Holmgren to come to campus too. So we can really we can really put this all on Dominic Harris, who I think had a significant impact on Gonzaga's recruiting permanently, at least going forward. But Julian had a lot to do with that as well. He was a very highly regarded prospect. ESPN had him 62nd on their top 100 rankings for his class. He was 79 at 24-7 sports. He rose up quite a bit because his senior year at Liberty High School in Las Vegas, the dude balled out. He balled out. He was such a good score. I remember he had, there was an early season tournament. I can't remember the name of the tournament off the top of my head, but he had 50-point games. Like, he was scoring in the 40s. He was he's an absolute bucket. He was an absolute bucket in high school. And then he came to Gonzaga, and was, there was this huge level of excitement about him and Dom and Jalen. But we kind of knew because Joel Iyayi was around, because Corey Kispert was around, because Aaron Cook came in, and then, of course, when Andrew Nemhard became eligible, it was clear that Dom and Julian were going to have to wait. This group of three great freshmen, the Tricky Trio, 
weren't really going to get to play together all that much. And it's kind of a bummer because it was such this elite group, this elite class of guys, and we're not going to see them all at the same time. But this is probably the year, and unfortunately it doesn't look like we're going to get to see even two of them at the same time, really, because Dom is going to be out for the majority of this year. Obviously, Julian, this this is probably not Julian's last year at Gonzaga, although you never know. We'll talk about that in the best and worst case scenarios. But this is really kind of Julian's turn, I think. And we talk about a guy who last year, he played in 25 games. It's not like he wasn't didn't exist at all he played in a vast majority of Gonzaga's games and he averaged about 7.4 minutes per night now the majority of those minutes as you would expect from a true freshman who is outside of the rotation they came in garbage time and the nice thing about Gonzaga is you can have a player who truly only plays in garbage time and they can play in 25 games and average seven and a half minutes per night that is that is an advantage that Gonzaga has and this could be a whole nother podcast topic that maybe I'll explore during the offseason sometime but it is an an advantage that Gonzaga has that other schools don't where they can get some of their younger guys a lot of playing time in non-pressure situations because they're winning the majority of their games by a lot in the second half so Julian averaged seven and a half minutes per game he averaged three and a half points 1.2 rebounds he shot 51.7 percent from the field and 32.1 percent from three to get real granular with it however that 32% I think is very misleading. I think there are a lot of people who are looking at this team and looking at the percentages from last year and thinking, who the heck is going to shoot threes? And obviously we know that some of the freshmen, Chet Holmgren and Nolan Hickman in particular, are going to shoot threes. But I caution anybody who maybe doesn't remember all of the games last year, which is fine, or just just looking at the box scores to take Julian's 32% with a significant grain of salt. Strother missed his first eight three-point attempts. From November 26th to January 7th, he took eight three-pointers during that stretch of time, missed all of them. For the rest of the season, he took 20 three-pointers, and he made nine of them. That is 45%. Knowing what I know about how he played in high school, reading the scouting reports about him at that time, and just watching him, watching him in the games, watching him at Craziness in the Kennel this past weekend— I'm far more inclined to believe that he is the 45% three-point shooter. I think the dude can really, really shoot it. He's got a smooth stroke. He just looks really, really good. And I think he just was getting more accustomed to not just college basketball in general, which is an adjustment on its own, but I have a feeling Julian Strother has never been a guy who only plays seven minutes per night. I don't think that that was something that he was very used to at all. And so getting the opportunities where you kind of feel like you had to just shoot and you come into the game and you don't want to hack up shots early in the shot clock because you kind of, you know, you're not supposed to do that. You're coming in, you're wasting time, you're burning the clock. You're just kind of playing the game out as it were. And so it takes guys a little bit of time to adjust to that because, you know, Mark View is playing them with the intention of seeing what they can do. It's not like you want them to do nothing at all, but also like, there's it's it's a fine line that I don't think we discuss enough of how to successfully play in garbage time, especially for these young, high-profile freshmen who are not used to having to play in garbage time situations and not starting and playing the majority of the game and also wanting to show off and show who they are without you know, hogging the ball or not being a team player and all of that stuff. And so I think Julian, like any freshman, kind of was adjusting to that. But then we saw him really, really kick things off. My favorite performance from Julian last year was against Norfolk State. He played nine minutes, Gonzaga's opener in the NCAA tournament. This is Julian Strother's first NCAA tournament game ever. He came in, played nine minutes, went three for four from downtown. The dude just shot the shit out of the ball. He just came in and he wanted to shoot. That he was he was so confident and so ready to go. 
And I, I just loved it. I love seeing him look completely within himself. He didn't look nervous. He didn't look like there was pressure getting to him. Obviously, it was like a 30-point game, so there shouldn't have been pressure on him. But it's still an NCAA tournament game. That's hard. It is It is an adjustment for any player. Like, it is your dream come true, your dream realized. You're playing in this epic game. You know, you're on national TV. The whole world is watching. And he came in and knocked down three or four from downtown. I loved that so much. That gave me so much confidence about who he is going to be this year. And then, as if that wasn't enough, as if that wasn't the level of confidence that I needed in him, he went out and looked like the best player on the basketball court in craziness in the kennel this past week. And I'm very glad that I waited to to do Julian's player preview until after craziness in the kennel because we got a really good look at what that best case scenario, which we'll talk about in the second segment, what that looks like. He had 11 points, five rebounds. He looked very athletic in the dunk contest. He looked very fluid on the court. I mean, truly, he looked like the best basketball player on the court. And I don't think he's going to be Gonzaga's best player. That would be a nuclearly hot take about this team, Uh, not because he's not talented, but because this team has Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy on it. And that is insane. But he looked really good. And he looks like a player who's maybe next in a long line of Gonzaga players to really take that next step in year two. We've seen it with Drew Timmy. We've seen it with DeMontis Sabonis. We've seen it with Philip Petrusev. There are a lot of Gonzaga players who have done this from year one to year two. And I think it's very possible that Julian is next. And that's what we're going to talk about in the second segment. We're going to lay down the best case and the worst case scenarios for Mr. Strother heading into year two. Before we get there, though, let's talk about prize picks. Price Picks is a daily fantasy site made easy. I love this site and I know that you will too. Price Picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football props than anyone in the world and offer all of the star players from not only the Power 5 schools, but from your favorite mid-major programs as well. I know that that is appealing to those Gonzaga fans out there. New users that deposit and use the promo code LOCKEDON will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. PrizePix allows mixed sport entries, so you can take the over on Chet Holmgren combined with the under on Patrick Mahomes in the same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. Don't hesitate. Check out PrizePix.com and use promo code LOCKEDON or go to your App Store and download the app today. Price picks is daily fantasy made easy. Also, as stated at the top of this episode, it is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all of the parts that you need. Why endear often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning is your Odyssey an LX or an EX and wait while a person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. RockAuto is the family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Plus, RockAuto prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you could ever need. Brake parts, t- tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. I just had my 13-year-old car serviced recently, and I can tell you having one place to find all of the parts I need makes things infinitely easier. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, segment two coming right at you. 
in our fifth episode in a multi-part series talking about every Gonzaga player on the roster. Check back throughout the month for more player previews leading up to our season opener against Eastern Oregon on Halloween. So segment two, best case, worst case scenarios. I'm going to throw out this caveat for every episode. The best case is within reason and the worst case is without injury. We're not going to talk about a player being a consensus All-American, the National Player of the Year, Finals MVP, if that is not a realistic outcome for them. Spoiler alert, there are players on Gonzaga's roster where that is a best-case scenario. This team is good, y'all, but it is not the best-case scenario for every player on this team. And the worst case for every player, of course, is that they get hurt, is that they miss the season or they miss good chunks of the season or they never fully recover from an injury. That's not good analysis, I could sit here and tell you for every single player that they might get hurt, but that doesn't really add anything. So I want to talk about what happens on the court, the best case and worst case scenario on the court and within reason. Every player could pop and become an absolute superstar. There's a, there's a non-zero chance of that for everybody, but we're not going to discuss that unless we think that it is reasonable. So moving on, Julian Strother. The best case scenario for Julian Strother is that he is the starting three. He, he swoops right in and takes over that starting spot vacated by Corey Kispert. I think even a best-case scenario probably doesn't include him playing 34 minutes per night like Corey did as a senior. I just I don't think that that's realistic because of how much depth Gonzaga has on their roster. I think Gonzaga wants to play a ton of three-guard lineups. And while Julian is sort of a guard, sort of a wing, he's kind of this hybrid player, two through four. Uh, again, basketball is basically positionless now anyway. I don't think that he ends up playing more than 25 to 30 minutes per night. But in a best case scenario, that's what he gives you. He's out there every single night playing three fourths of the game or at least close to it. The best case scenario for Julian Strother is that three point shooting in the second half, that 45% we saw nine for 20, that sticks. 45% would be ridiculously good, but a best case scenario, he's a 40 plus percent three point shooter. I believe he is capable of that firmly. I absolutely think that what we've seen from him, what his shooting form looks like, what his confidence looked like, what he looked like at craziness in the kennel, and what he looked like down the stretch last year, this dude could shoot 40% from three. And a best case scenario is not only that, but that his attempts go way up. You look at Joel Iyayi last year, Joel shot 39% on 95 attempts. That would be huge. That would be huge because Joel Eiei is not here anymore. And not only is Joel not on the roster, Corey Kispert, one of the best outside shooters in Gonzaga history, is gone. Two huge, monumental presences on the wing, two of the two really, really good outside shooters are gone. And it is the biggest question mark about this roster heading into this season is who is going to replace that amount of outside shooting production. In a best-case scenario, Julian is a huge part of that equation, a massive part of that equation, potentially the biggest part of that equation. If he shoots 90-plus three-pointers this year and shoots anywhere close to 40%, that is a massive success, a massive win. And I believe that it is absolutely possible for Julian to do that in his second year. The best-case scenario for Julian Strother is that he's not just a shooter. He can score at all three levels. He can get to the rim. He can score in transition. He can score in the mid-range. He can draw fouls and score from the free throw line. He can do all of that. I've used this phrase multiple times to describe Julian. He is a certified bucket. He is a bucket getter. He has a score-first mentality. Now, he probably needs to work on that a little bit. He had one assist last year, which, again, tiny role, wasn't really on the court to pass the ball a lot, so it's not that big of a deal. But the point is, Julian Strother is 
when the ball is in his hands, he's looking to score. And that's okay. That's not a bad thing at all. But in the best case scenario, he can do it at every different every different way. He can score at all three levels. That is the best case scenario for Julian. He's an explosive athlete. I think a best case scenario for him is we get some highlight reels. You saw the dunk contest. You all watched that. The dude can throw it down. And on a team that there's a plenty of dudes who are going to have some highlights this year. Plenty of them. Chet Holmgren is a walking highlight reel. Hunter Salas is one of the best dunkers that Gonzaga's ever had. I already feel confident about that, even though he has not played a game yet. But in a best case scenario, Sports Center Top 10 features some Julian this year. The best case scenario for Julian Strother is he's an absolute X factor. I believe I, I don't believe in labeling a singular player as an X factor because this team is not one is one player is not going to define this team in any any kind of way, even with Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren and guys like that. But I've kind of always picked Anton Watson as the de facto X factor, the kind of player who kind of fits that bill in my mind. But Julian is a huge part of that as well. And if he reaches these best case scenarios or at least close to them, he allows Gonzaga to do so many things because he can play, he can shoot from the outside, he can play in guard lineups, and he can play some small ball four. And I think in a best case scenario, we see him do that periodically. Now, Gonzaga's front court is loaded with Drew, with Chet, with Anton, with Ben Gregg, with Caden Perry. They already don't have enough minutes to go around for those guys. But I envision some scenarios against specific teams where they need to do it, where they can run these small ball lineups, something along the lines of, Andrew Nembhard and Hunter Salas and Rasir Bolton and Julian Strother and Chet Holmgren. That lineup is so ridiculously long and athletic and just right in your face. They can score from multiple different places. And that's a lineup without the National Player of the Year frontrunner in it. It's just insane what this team has the ability to do. And Julian being able to play two, three, and four and score at all three levels is is something that's going to make this team virtually unstoppable. They're already darn good, even if he does not reach these levels. But if he does, if he is the player that a lot of Gonzaga fans dream that he can be, and that he flashed at times last season, and that he really showed in craziness, this team is going to be absolutely ridiculous. The best case scenario is that he is an all-WCC performer. He's a candidate for the most improved player in the WCC. Hell, he's a candidate for the most improved player in the NCAA. And there are serious questions at the end of the year about whether he's going bro, going pro. Whether the tricky trio will be down to just one by the time they're juniors because Jalen will leave after one year and Julian will leave after two. In a best case scenario, we're legitimately having that conversation of, is he going to go to the NBA? Is he going to leave early? Is he going to do what Zach Norvell did? That kind of thing. What's the worst case scenario for Julian Strother? Well, the worst case is that he becomes more of a volume shooter. He gets up to that 80, 85, 93 point attempts per season, but his percentage doesn't tick up. He's still a 32 to 34% shooter. And on a team that really needs consistent outside shooting, Julian not being consistent from downtown would be a problem. It would force Gonzaga to have to do things a little bit differently. The worst case scenario for Julian Strother is that he does not have the confidence to take the ball to the rack. He doesn't display the ability to score at multiple levels, whether it's a lack of confidence, a lack of ability, a lack of ability that leads to a lack of confidence, whatever it may be. A worst case scenario is he kind of gets lost in the shuffle. There are so many talented scorers on this team, so many of them, that if you're not confident, if you're not ready to shoot the rock as soon as you're open, if you're not ready to go get your shot, go get a bucket, you can get lost easily. 
We've seen it with Anton Watson, who is not as talented of a scorer as Julian. We've seen him just get get lost, struggle to find a shot. Heck, Joel had times where he struggled to find his shot, and he's really good. He's an NBA player. It is not hard on this team to kind of get lost and not find the ability to get your own buckets. And for a player like Julian, who that is his number one skill, that is the thing that he is best at, if he struggles to do that, he becomes much more difficult to play. The worst case scenario for Julian Strother is he does not win a starting role. He's coming off the bench and he's kind of gets lost in that sea of other guards. If he doesn't start, do they start three guards? In which case, who does he come in for? Does he come in as a small ball four? Does that mean he's playing instead of Anton Watson? Does that What does that do for Ben Gregg? You have all these questions and you don't know where Julian Strother fits. It's hard for us to imagine now riding that high of craziness and how good he looked in that game. It's hard for a lot of us to imagine how he could get lost, but it could happen. I don't want to pour cold water on anybody, but it could definitely happen. And part of it is because of how good the rest of this roster is. There are teams 10 years ago, 15 years ago, Gonzaga rosters, this player would never have gotten lost in the shuffle. Ever, ever, ever. You would have lived by and died by what he was capable of doing. On this roster, they don't have to do that. And if he loses that confidence or loses that swagger or just straight up isn't scoring at a high enough efficiency rate, it would not be that hard for him to get lost in the shuffle. Worst case scenario, he does not play that small ball four role because either Anton Watson or Ben Gregg surpass him. Or real Caden Perry could potentially be in that mix as well. That may not be the worst case scenario for Gonzaga because it means those guys are really good and are playing at a high level. But for Julian, I think a lot of his success is going to come in that small ball four role. And in the worst case scenario, he just doesn't carve out minutes at that spot. Realistically, and this is probably an extreme worst case scenario, but Gonzaga has 10 to 11 guys pushing for rotation spot. In a really, really worst case scenario, Julian's on the outside looking in again. I think he's going to get a chance early in the year. So for that to happen, he would have to really struggle. But there's a, there's a realistic situation where he plays barely 10 minutes per night because he just can't find his way into the lineup, into the rotation. Again, we're talking polls, best case, worst case. I don't think that that's realistic or very likely necessarily, but on a team this deep, Virtually every player on the roster, with the exception of of Drew and probably Chet, realistically, with the exception of those guys, anybody could get bumped out of this rotation at any time because of how deep this team is. And finally, the last worst case scenario, the thing that I didn't really address with Julian because I just don't have enough information about it, is the defense. Gonzaga doesn't have a lockdown perimeter defensive player. I don't think it's going to be Julian. But in a worst-case scenario, he is really struggles on that end of the floor. He cannot guard people away from the ball. He's, he gets trapped in high-ball screens, potentially. He gets beat up by more physical guys if he's playing that four-role. And he just struggles defensively. As much as he's a great offensive player, he's giving up too many points on the defensive end, and it makes him tougher to play, particularly against good teams with highly skilled big men or highly skilled wings. All right. Best case, worst case scenarios have been discussed. As always, we probably expect Julian's going to finish somewhere in the middle of these two outcomes. That's what we're going to talk about in the third segment. Before we get there, though, today's episode is sponsored by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all of the pro and college football action this season. With a newly updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. 
Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take take advantage of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Today's episode is also sponsored by Sweatblock. Sweatblock is currently the number one selling product in Amazon's antiperspirant category, and for good reason. This doctor-created and doctor-recommended product is manufactured right here in the USA and comes with a dry shirt guarantee. That's right, the folks at Sweatblock are so confident in their product that if it doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. So what are you waiting for? You got a big presentation coming up, you got a job interview, you got a first date? Give Sweatblock a try, and if it doesn't work, you get your money back. These wipes have been featured and tested on Rachel Ray's show, where firefighters gave them a go and came out of it sweat-free. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night before bedtime, go to bed. The next morning, you wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying about sweat. Guaranteed. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code LOCKEDON or at Amazon and CVS. All right, third segment. We're talking Julian Strother once again, expected role and production for Julian. Again, best case and worst case scenarios are meant to be the polls. They're meant to be the absolute best case and absolute worst case. If you thought, well, that seems really aggressive or that seems like that's definitely not going to happen, you're probably right. He's probably going to finish somewhere in the middle. So here's my expected role for Julian Strother. Quite frankly, I think he's going to start. There's been a lot of discussion recently on Gonzaga Twitter and all over the place, Facebook, everywhere. Who's going to start for the Zags? In my mind, we know three of them. Chet Holmgren, Drew Timmy, and Andrew Nempart are going to start for the Gonzaga Bulldogs in 2021-2022. I feel very confident about that. Those final two spots are really up in the air. I mean, really up in the air. I've seen people predict a huge variety of combinations of different people that could start in those spots. Rasir Bolton, graduate transfer, he'll compete for a spot. Hunter Salas, uber freshman, he'll compete for a spot. Nolan Hickman, another fantastic freshman. Anton Watson, who started games in both of the last two seasons, he'll compete for a spot. And then, of course, there's Julian. For my money, I think the starting lineup is Nemhard, Hunter Salas, Julian Strother, Chet Holmgren, Drew Timmy. I feel pretty confident that Julian's going to be one of those guys, especially after the performance that he had at Craziness. Again, though, it is not a guarantee. Mark Few also loves experience. And a guy like Bolton, who is clearly a two, he does not play a point guard role, he would fit really well alongside Andrew Nempart. So there's no guarantee here. There's no guarantee that Gonzaga is going to start Julian Strother this season. He's going to have to earn it. But I believe that that's what's going to happen. I believe that he did a lot of favors for himself by playing really well in craziness. The way he played down the stretch was really promising as well. And I think the fact that he is a guy that people feel is really capable of lighting it up from downtown is going to be a huge factor for the Zags this season because they don't have a lot of experienced outside shooting. Julian doesn't count as the experienced category, but he does strike me as a guy who can really light it up from downtown. I think Julian's going to be counted on to play 20 to 25 minutes per night. And on a team with as much depth as this team has, that's significant. There are a lot of good players on this basketball team that are not going to play 20 to 25 minutes per night. Ben Gregg will not play 20 minutes per night, almost certainly. Caden Perry will, will be lucky to play half that. 
frankly, he might be lucky to play a quarter of that, if we're being completely honest. We'll talk about him more when we get to his episode, obviously. But there's a lot of really good players on this team that may not play 20 minutes per night. But Julian has the benefit of being an outside shooter and playing a position that Gonzaga doesn't have a lot of depth at. Again, basketball is basically positionless. They're going to play a lot of three-guard lineups. They might even play some three-big lineups with Watson, Chet, Andrew all on the court at the same time. Julian can play the two, he can play the three, he can play the four. So he adds a lot of variety to this team. But I really think that he's going to play, he's going to have a big role. And I think the fact that Dom is out is going to help him play more minutes because of that outside shooting. That was something that Dom was going to be counted on. I don't know that Dom was ever going to be a hyper-efficient three-point shooter. I still don't know if I believe that he will be, but he's going to be a volume shooter. He's going to take a lot of threes, and that's a good skill. He's a microwave. He's a guy who can get really hot in a hurry. But without him, this team lacks dudes who are willing to just shoot the rock, shoot it from three. And I think Julian, if he steps into that role and is confident as an outside shooter, he's going to get a lot of time on the floor. Beyond that, I do think we're going to see that percentage tick up. He's not a 32% three-point shooter. He's probably not a 45% three-point shooter, if we're being honest. That's pretty darn elite company. But again, using the Joel Iaia comparison, Joel shot 39% on 80 attempts last year. I think that's realistic. I think that is realistic for Julian to do. I think that's probably on the high end of outcomes. I might expect a guy who maybe takes 65 threes and shoots 37% this year because he's still trying to find his role because there's so much talent on this roster. Like, you're not going to get a ton of shot attempts when Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy are on the floor because those guys are so freaking good and just basically automatic buckets that you're going to get them the ball. That's the best and most efficient way to win basketball games is to get the ball into those two dudes' hands. And so other guys are not going to get a huge volume of shot attempts. But for Julian, if he can get 60 to 65 threes up, shoot 37%, that's a phenomenal, phenomenal role for him. And I think he's going to be very, very good at it. I think we're going to see him play some small ball four. I do. I mentioned that earlier that it's going to be hard to find that role because of Anton Watson, because of Ben Gregg, because of Caden Perry. But I think Gonzaga is going to want to do that. I think against certain teams, they're going to want to get out and run. In a lineup where Julian's playing the four, particularly against teams that don't have a lot of size, Julian's 6'7". He's got long arms. Like he's not super, he's not going to be super undersized for a four. Heck, in the NBA, you can be 6'7 with long arms and play the four. Like, that's the way that the game is going now. So I think Julian's going to play that role for the Zags, either with Drew Timmy or with Chet Holmgren. He's capable of playing with both. And I think we're going to see him do that at times this year. All in all, I expect a big year from Julian. I think he's going to average 10-plus points per game. I think he's going to average a handful of boards. I think he's going to shoot 37-ish percent from downtown. The defense is the big question. I'm not going to pretend that I can tell you a ton about how he's going to be defensively. I just don't know. We didn't see enough of it last year. He was playing against Portland's backups. No disrespect to those players, but I don't know that you can gauge Julian's defensive chops when he was half-heartedly guarding those guys because it was a 35-point game. So that's something I'm going to be watching very closely early in the season, how he stacks up defensively. When they play Texas, who boy, I'm going to be watching that really closely because that's the first really big test for Julian on both sides of the ball, really, but definitely on the defensive side of the ball, how he looks defensively against some of those dudes at Texas who are good, really good. That's going to be something that's really worth watching. But if he looks adequate defensively, if he looks plus defensively, that's going to be a huge, huge bonus for the Zags heading into this season. All right, five player previews done and dusted. Tomorrow's episode is going to be about the potential national player of the year and mustache extraordinaire Drew Timmy. You do not want to miss this episode. It's going to be so much fun talking about one of the 
most favorite Gonzaga players in school history, without a doubt, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It is available wherever you get your podcasts and soon to be available on YouTube. Another reminder, podcast links will also be available on Twitter at Locked On Zags and on my personal Twitter account, which can be found at ScoreZagsScore. Finally, my last reminder, now is a great time to make sure your next listen of the day, the Locked On NBA podcast. You can get all your daily NBA updates from a variety of league experts while checking in on your favorite Zags playing at the next level. Thank you for listening to this podcast and go Zags.